The Moved Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. Whenever you're ready, Jason. Well, Jason, Starbuck here, Starbuck on the moon. I'm on the moon. <laughs> I can do that. Okay. Starbuck on the moon. <laughs> Sorry, we'll keep it going. Here with Dean Lister, uh, champion of many things in life. I'm here at your gym now. And I had earlier there, you guys were like, hey, let's, uh, you know, your girls downstairs were like, hey, he's upstairs. Yeah. So I ended up having to look around the gym. I'd never been here. And so it brought up in my mind, I was like, when did this start? When did you start this gym? Yeah, well, we've been here since 2007. And it was it was basically right at the beginning of that, that crash, the housing crash. So having a giant gym like this was not the best time, but we made it through. And it's uh, we've been out for, for about 12 years now. So it's, it's going well here, actually. Yeah, and so as I was walking around, a lot of people have, like, open gyms and they have all these different things. What was your guys' idea? Because you guys broke it off. Like, yeah. everything seems to be broken off. Kind of like the old LA Fitnesses, you have a rackable yeah, gym or whatever, yeah. but it kind of has that effect. What was the thoughts yeah. on that? Well, you, you know, there, there's those small mom and pop gyms, which which are cool, and and you get some really great, even world level fighters coming out of these small gyms. And you have these giant gyms that no one knows each other's names, and we kind of want to be in the middle. So we have all the facilities. You have kickboxing, you have weight room, you have um, a CrossFit room, which is bigger than most CrossFit gyms, by the way. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, three jiu-jitsu areas. We have two cages. I mean, it's just a crazy big environment, but it's meant to be in group classes. And, and of course, there's cliques, cliques and yeah. groups, but it's a, it's a big gym, but people here know each other. It's, a, it's more of a, a close environment here. It's yeah. kind of the middle of both, both That's worlds. That's kind of how it felt. And it yeah. was like, I think that what I noticed when I was in there and walking around, was like, when you kind of create incubators like that, people tend to kind of mm-hmm. feel a little closer. When it's super big, you kind of yeah. like, you know, kind of out of it. Yeah, if, cool. if it was one giant box here it would, it would be different i think so it helps to have it's human nature i think people want to yeah you're going to get your better friends but you'll meet everyone in, in the long run so it's it's good we have our kickboxers our boxers our wrestlers we have our jiu-jitsu people we have our mma fighters we you know we have yoga here it's it's, it's yeah, a good inclusive environment yeah it's good. so this is an interesting question i think that yeah. um, i've talked with some people about and that is you've gone in from your story you've done wrestling you've done jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. you've done mma uh, pride as well you've done the biggest organizations that are playing or fighting and things. One of the things that we, and you just said, is like we have jiu-jitsu, we have kickboxing. Do you think there's going to come a time when it's really just fighting? You know, oh, you mean mixed martial arts? Yeah, do you think? Yeah, that, because that's, these, these arts, I mean, you know, is it going to be useful, even though it's a hobby or yeah. it's your, your love of jiu-jitsu, do you think that eventually it, it's um, going to mold? That, that's it's a very, maybe the fastest growing sport in the world still. Mixed martial arts, I, I think it's going to keep growing in popularity. But there's always people that are going to prefer striking by itself. There's some people that prefer only jujitsu. There's people that only want to train with the gi on. We call them pajama nerds, but that, that's an endearing term, by the way. <laughs> uh, there's people that just like they want to specialize in one area. If you have someone who Okay, we have, let's say, you know, you know, tri- the triathlon. Mm-hmm. So the people, they, they run, they bike, and they swim. Okay? Well, but Nick Diaz does that. You know, yeah. <laughs> Nick and Nate Diaz, they do that. They're incredible. They're great athletes. But not everyone's going to want to do the, tri- the, the be a triathlete. Some people want to be the sprinter. Some people the long-distance runner. Some people want to just bike. And some people want to just swim. And if you specialize in one area, you'll probably beat the triathlete in that one area, probably. But there's always people that are going to do all of them. I mean, who's going to beat Usain Bolt in sprinting right now? Yeah. But will Usain Bolt beat Phelps in the pool? I don't think so. But Phelps won't beat him in sprinting. But you have some guy out there that we don't know who the name. 
We don't, we, we don't know who he is. Who, if you put those events back to back, he'll come out number one. There's someone we don't know who it is. There's someone that would not, would not beat Phelps in the pool and would not beat uh, Bolt sprinting. But he'll, he'll finish number one if you put both those events back to back. So I think maybe if you look at mixed martial arts, it's yeah, the guys who are the best in mixed martial arts usually are not the number one jiu-jitsu guy, and they're not usually the number one kickboxer in the world. There's some, some melding of the two. So I think it's going to grow, but I think there's always going to be that niche, that niche. Yeah. I think you're right, because it's like judo didn't go away. I mean, judo yeah. still in, in yeah. areas that are super strong. And I think that, you know, it's something that continues to be on people's minds. Absolutely. it's like, wait a minute, what's going to happen here? Because the evolution's happened so fast. So I guess that opens up a question when you got started. Uh, where, where did you grow up? I've grown up like all around the world. As an adult, I mean, I've, I spent time all around the world. But as a kid, I grew up in South America, in Venezuela, and Panama, Central America, and and most of the USA. Moving around different parts of the Southwest USA, primarily. But um, as an adult, I've lived all around the world, and so I've tried to expand my horizons. So I don't know what I am. Mean, I'm definitely from USA. Uh, some people think I'm from Brazil. I'm not from Brazil. <laughs> I don't speak like a Brazilian. I speak like. Um, I don't know, a six-year-old from Brazil, maybe? <laughs> Get around. I make it work, hopefully. You know? Well, I think that's one of the things that probably gives you, because any time that I've heard you talk or even talking around here today, that you're a good storyteller. Oh, hopefully. You, I don't know. You are. You are. <laughs> you're a good storyteller. You tell a story. You go that route. So I was thinking, you know, when you tell the story of when you were a kid and what made you get into jiu-jitsu, it's such a great story. I thought I'd maybe see if I can pull that out of you. Well, okay. It goes deeper than this. I'll expand upon I'm, I'm not pulling the victim thing at all, at, at all. But I don't say but. <laughs> I did live in Panama during the Panama invasion, and what happened was the 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 racial slur <laughs> was Yankee. Even if you were a black guy, white guy, if you were if you were from USA, you were a Yankee, and it was like gringo. It was worse than you know. Those were fighting words actually. Yeah. So I was I was not that big. I was I was very scrawny. I was kind of a, I was a nerdy kid, real shy. But I, I had wrestled one year, and I was my dad's marine. I was a I was not a, a pansy, let's say. So I, I, you know, but growing up in, in Central America during this time, I was I was in seventh and eighth grade. So this is around the time where fights become more serious than second grade or first grade. You know, this, those are whatever. And the, and the the kids in Panama, they were older. I mean, they had beards. I didn't have a beard when I was thirteen. I didn't have a beard. This, this didn't work out for me that way. So I, I would, I'm not saying every day, but at least a couple of times a week I would get into a, a relatively serious fight. Uh, you know, at, at that time in my life, was, it was something where it was very important for me to learn how to defend myself. And I'm not, uh, I, didn't, I didn't miraculously learn uh, some mystic art and, and become some master of anything. Never, n- nothing like that ever happened. But it always was in, in my brain that, you know, I, I, during the little invasion, well, little, I mean, a lot of people died in that, yeah, yeah. so I'm like, little invasion, I'm just comparing to Iraq or something. It was, let's say, the first day was nonstop gunfire and explosions all around my house, by the way. Uh, paratroopers landed in my backyard, and it was just, it was crazy. There were bolt holes in my house, whatever. We were just on the ground for a couple of days, that's all, that's all. But it was, yeah. it was freaky, and they shut the water off, we didn't have water. Um, and by the way, USA lost 18 people. One of my teachers from my junior high uh, got killed also. Wow. So a couple of civilians died. Um, Panama lost a couple of thousand people. So, yeah. you know, I'm not saying they were right, but I understand why they didn't like me. You know, the, the, there's a reason. We were, the, we were the invaders, and it's unfortunate. 
but but that time in my life, I think it cemented my my desire to want to defend myself, you know. And and because I'm used to having like the water shut off and bomb threats and stuff, like I, I always want to have like like it's just it's in me all the reserve of food, <laughs> all the reserve of water. Just just in this day, I'm just used to stuff like that happening. So so that's probably what gave me the motivation, you know, um, to learn how to fight to some degree. And when I got into wrestling, well, I was 16, about let's say in high school. I, I went through a, a growth spurt. I, I, I got real big real fast, like too fast where I was uncoordinated. And until I was 19, I got my coordination back. So, so I was a wrestler. I was not that coordinated until I graduated high school. And then it just all came to me right around the time I started jujitsu, just by coincidence. Yeah. yeah. And that was, what year was that? I, <laughs> I graduated in 94. And so I started jujitsu, but open mat in 94. But I remember I signed for classes December of 95. So I've been doing this maybe see, 94, I guess you could say. And the option was gi. Yeah, it was all gi. It was all gi. Yeah. So you spent all that time in the yep. pajamas. Yeah, <laughs> pajamas. Yeah. yeah, of course, that's, that's a, that's a yeah, yeah, endearing joke. It. It is. Uh, you know, for a while, my coach, Fabio Santos, who I still have a lot of respect for, sure. he, he said, you can do the no gi tournaments, but you have to wear your gi. And I, I would do that anyways. You know, my opponent has a slight advantage. Um, but they didn't know how to use the gi against me to any high degree, anyway. So I was still win these tournaments. It wasn't it wasn't a big deal. So I, I was I was really wrapped around the gi for a long time. That was my kind of my obsession for a long time. Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. So as you started to evolve and started to find different areas, I mean, life takes you in different places. Okay, it's gonna go here. It's gonna go there. Was there a time where you were like, you know what? There's something else I want to do, or was it always this direction? I graduated college in the year 2000 from San Diego State University, mm-hmm. and my dad, old retired Marine, he said, you know, son, you know, you, uh, you just graduated college, and you're doing this jujitsu thing. Uh, he said, I think you should give it two more years, see if you can do it professionally, and if not, why don't you join the Marine Corps? And I was like, okay, right, do something, he said. I think uh, he wanted me to go in the military. Well, he, of course he did. So I was thinking about that, and I gave it... Uh, right about three years, actually. So I was pushing it. And it just so happened, right around, the, I mean, I won Abu Dhabi the absolute. And so, so of all weights, uh, you know, on paper, I was, I was the best in the world. I'm not saying I was, just on paper I was. But just because of that, all of a sudden, my gym here in San Diego, it was a different gym back then. I mean, I would have 80 guys on the map just overnight, 80 guys, you know, train, 80 people training with me. It went from 20 to 80 all of a sudden, I mean, per day, training with me. And, and my dad said, hey, son, I think, I think you got this jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu thing. I think it's going to work for you. So, so kind of off his advice, I, just, I focused now you know, onto the sport. And, and I'm very fortunate to be one of the few people in the world, let's say one of the, the few percent of people in the world, that let's say I have something that maybe I can do decent, but I love doing it. So I'm very gifted in that way. Yeah. So I have found that. That's cool. So it's uh, in, on YouTube and different areas. We tend to find that you hang out with a pretty, what you'd consider tough crowd. Not tough crowd as in a negative thing, but I think yeah. mentally tough. Um, yeah, I think yeah, in yeah. some of the people that you, like Jocko and those guys that are now getting more popular, what is your mindset of a champion? And it sounds like you've kind of started to explore more about the mindset and things yeah. like that. So I'd be interested to hear about that. Yeah, you know, as I got older, I, I realized. And further, I've been even more blessed. I've got guys like Chaco. I mean, I always knew there's something crazy weird about that guy. I always knew. <laughs> because he's, he's one of the only guys that would spend seven hours on the mat with me on Saturday. It's just not a, a normal person. 
and, and he, he always had great advice. And the stuff he writes about, he would give me the same advice. Uh, you know, the whole the good stories. I mean, he's, he'd given those speeches to me before anyone really knew who he was. I mean, he's been in my corner in, in UFC and Pride. He, he flew to Japan. He's my, my real bro. And uh, it, it's funny, right before one of my fights, I think it was um, Jordan Radev from Bulgaria in the UFC. I believe it was him. Yeah, it was him. It was in, we're in Las Vegas, and it's right before I'm going to fight him, and Jocko says, hey, Dean, you look like you're not very relaxed. What's going on? And I went, well, first of all, Jordan Radov, he's a very, very good wrestler, like Olympic high-level wrestler, and he's compact. He's not a very tall guy, but he has great, he has strong, hard punches. He's hard to take down, and, and he's, you know, he's a tough guy. And I said, hey, well, Jocko, you know, the guy, he has good knees. And I'm thinking, like, when I grab him, he's going to throw a knee to my face. And I said, you know, but it's okay. And he goes, no, well, Dean, you know, check it out. Back in Iraq. And right when he said that, I'm like, oh, God damn. Like, go. come on. <laughs> you're <gonna> put... <laughs> he went, you know, every time we go on a mission, we know where we're going. Like, we know where we're going. You know, we know. But sometimes you hit an IED and you get blown up. You get blown up. And I was like, okay. His basic uh, lesson was, you know, you know what you're going to do. Don't worry about all this, this little stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Getting blown up, right? <laughs> he said, you know, you're, you're going there to do, do your job. You know, so, so don't worry about that stuff. You're going to grab the guy. And I said, well, yeah, I will. And so it's interesting that, that, that kind of those hard knocks stories, I mean, that's some real experience that, you know, I, I don't have that experience personally. Yeah. But it's interesting when someone puts it from that perspective and they can relate it to, I don't want to say UFC's normal life, but, but I mean, everyone has things in life where you, you think, you, you second, you, maybe you right. doubt yourself or you think, what if this happens, what if that happens? And it's kind of cool to, to narrow it down to, to something that's more simple to deal with. So that was the one quick Jocko story. But, yeah, Jocko's doing great right now, and he's been a huge influence in my life. So, so, yeah, I mean, I have, I have a thousand more stories yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I had gotten one that um, I had seen on, and it probably was, I didn't see the year or anything like that, but one of the things that in martial arts is, like, you have people that come in, they train. There's a lot, there's a big difference between people that train martial arts or train fighting, and then they're confronted with a real self-defense issue. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I see when I go to jiu-jitsu schools, one thing that I always like to hear is, like, hey, you know what, don't get yourself in a mindset that I'm just, grabbing your lapel or your gi, you're now in a position that you could get hit. Yeah, and to yeah, not yeah. forget that. There is a story that you uh -oh. had. <laughs> uh -oh. But I was curious about the mental side, not so much of that, where you had a time where you'd walked inside your house oh, and someone yeah, was yeah, in your yeah. house. And what yeah. I was curious about is training all the time, probably you would be no Like people would say, oh, you're normal, you can be fine. But it's still, what the heck, someone's in my house. So I was kind of curious of what yeah. your mindset was, because you were pretty calm in the video. But Yeah, I, I guess I was calm, but it, it's weird. It's You walk in, and I thought the guy was working on the on the complex. I didn't really realize he was in his underwear. It's just, just, it, looks like, it looks like a fake video, actually. Just, mm -hmm. uh, the, the guy's just on whatever drug, you know. And I don't know, I walked in, and it just didn't seem right. I started recording just because nowadays, you know, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, he raised a hammer at me, and uh, you know, I, I did, I was armed, sure. and I, I showed him, and unfortunately, I stopped recording at that moment. But uh, you know, I, I didn't. He dropped the hammer, so I didn't, I didn't feel I had to do, go go further than that. But yeah, I, I wasn't, I wasn't as, I wasn't as afraid as as people would would think. It, it's just. 
a bizarre-looking person, in my opinion. And I don't know. In my life, I've also learned from jujitsu. You know, yeah, you have to be. You know, if if you freak out in a bad situation, you just make it worse. And so, so especially if people have, let's say, an anger problem or a temper, that's not going to get you out of the, the position at all. So I think that jujitsu and other martial arts help you to to relax and calm down. And yeah, this. I don't want to, I don't I, I don't want to have been hit in the head with a hammer but but I think that I think the guy I think the guy didn't swing on me that fast probably because I was calm I don't know I think I didn't uh, he, by the way he was cornered <laughs> he couldn't leave at the moment so yeah. that's probably why but I don't know I'm, I'm glad it didn't get worse than that you know it, I, I think I think that if if I didn't have any level of, of training I would have been in more fear for my life and then probably the person would have been, I don't know, you know, hurt more or something like that. So, so yeah, jujitsu and other martial arts, I think they they can help you to control the the level of force you need. And uh, I even have friends that have trained that are in law enforcement, and if they know what they're doing, they don't they don't have to hurt the guy that much. I'm just saying, um, if you know what you're doing or you have some measurement of knowing what you're doing, it gives you a big advantage, I think, and it makes you calm down. You can see a lot more things, and if you know, in 2003 in Brazil, I don't know why, but I had a big interview, and in the centerfold of the magazine, it had me with my opponent, Salo Ribeiro in this case, and it says in Portuguese, na minha vida eu já teve, no, eu já tinha 60, 70, 80 ou 100 horas dentro de triângulos. I was off by one or two words, but it said, because I did say this, I said, they asked me why I'm hard to submit with chokes, yeah. and I said, well, probably in my life I've spent I don't know, 100 hours in triangle? <laughs> and that, that, that one phrase, for some reason, they copied it and they, they posted it. And so, yeah, if you spend 100 hours in a, probably more, in a bad situation, you, you have to calm down, I think. By the way, it's funny, uh, in, in Portuguese, it said, it said, o imperio contra ataque. It said, the empire strikes back. So, so apparently, we're, we're the empire. You know? the empire. <laughs> yeah. So it was all Brazil won, Brazil, 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 <laughs> USA. You know, it's kind of, it was just funny. So it said, the empire strikes back. O imperio contra ataque. Yeah. It said, the empire strikes back. And that was the headline. And then it said, in my life, I spent what, 70, 88, or 100 hours in triangles. And so, so yeah, the, the cliche is the, um, the best defense is a great offense. It makes sense on paper because if I'm just attacking you all the time, you can't attack me. But it doesn't work out that way. You will be attacked. You will be attacked. So I prefer to focus on defense because if, if I'm so calm and I know that you can't hurt me, mm -hmm. I'll be attacking you all the time. Yeah. So, so in that situation, I was in a defensive, sure. uh, I don't know, it was a strange situation. Sure. I wasn't attacking him. But if he was to do something, I had maybe a, a response to him. So yeah, that's uh, yeah, that was a real sketchy situation, and I hope that guy gets his help, the help that he needs, you know. And that was the attitude that I got, kind of after I watched it. I got a mental state from you that you it, there was almost this compassion that came over. I mean, yeah. after obviously the scenario, but that's what it came across. And I think that that's probably also just being a coach. Yeah, I don't know, being a teacher, and well, I, I I have I have one friend and. Fortunately, he, you know, I, I think maybe, I mean, afterwards I did make the comparison, but I, I have one lifelong friend that went down a really bad path, similar to that guy, and I don't know, like, I, I, maybe I could see something in that guy similar, mm -hmm. and, you know, he's a human, and, you know, he has family, you know, he, he has, 
I didn't think all this at that, that, that moment, I don't think, but, but it reminded me of someone I know. And so I, yeah, I'd, you know, if he had hit me with that hammer, I don't know what I would have done. But because sure. I just had shoulder surgery too, so I, I couldn't fight that well. <laughs> so I was like, this is my shoulder. Yeah. Matter of fact, in the interview with Jocko, I'm like this the whole time <laughs> because my shoulder just got sure. operated on. So, so I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I just hope he gets the help he needs and, you know, he, he um, reclaims his life, I hope. Cool. So um, going back on the things that you've done, accomplishments, what was the, the number one accomplishment that you felt that you had trained so hard and this is where you got there? And maybe, you know, obviously, don't quit. You changed paths. But where did you feel like, you know, I, I, I've made it? What was that? that I love how people say, you're, <laughs> Lister, the number one accomplishment is your ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> but that's messed up. <laughs> Brazil, bro, come on. <laughs> Um, no, it, it's, it's got to be my time in Brazil uh, when I won Abu Dhabi because that was when I, let's say I was, I was nationally ranked in USA. It's not, that's, that's, no, that's no small feat, but I was not ranked top whatever in the world at all. I was probably ranked top 200 in the world or something. And then I became, let's say on paper, I was number one in the world so for four years. I'm not saying I was because another day, by the way, those, those same individuals I won, or the same people I lost to a different day, you know, it could be a different result. I know that for sure. It's not a science, it's an art. And a, a science, let's say 2 plus 2 is 4, I can replicate that in Australia. <laughs> anywhere I go, Africa, 2 plus 2 is 4, to my knowledge. I've never been to Africa yet. But anywhere you go, that's a science, it can be replicated. Jiu-Jitsu, a, a, a result of a match or a fight, it's not always going to be the same. It rarely is, actually. Mm. You'll find people that you have different results from the same type of... Uh, of a contest. So I, I've had good days and bad days, but that was just my day for some weird reason. I was the last hope. You know, I was, I don't know, I just, I just had the, I had the tiger that one day. I don't know why that was probably the day. I was the absolute champion and, and uh, plus I was not in my own country. It was just, it was really cool. And plus it was all the stuff that I kind of, um, people were telling me that I'm going down the wrong path with leg locks. And I said, well, I think I think I'm going to stick by my, my, my gut or my heart. I, I think there's a reason. So I never really listened to what they were saying. And it all worked. It all worked with this kind of this stuff that no one was really doing. And now it's, it's being done, a, a, you know, a lot, a, a lot of things. There's a principle I call the door stopper, where my foot's on your hip. You can't turn. If my foot's here, you can turn. Everyone, no one's doing that. So I put my foot on the far hip. You can't turn. I get your foot now. And now everyone's doing that now. And these closed circuit situations, which means my feet are crossed and you can't roll out. Yeah. I got your leg. No gi, you can't grab my gi now. So leg locks work even better with no gi. And so I'm glad that I just I took a little step back and looked at things a little objectively and realized and I'm glad it worked. Uh, some people don't like how the sport has changed, but it's just reality. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to deny reality if, if, if things happen. I mean, taxi cab drivers hate Uber. Yeah. But it's reality. Changing. I mean, how are you going to deal with it? Yeah. You can complain, or how about maybe step up your your service? You know. But now, I mean, that's got to be a nightmare if you if you spend all that money to get your tax cab. That's got to suck. I must say that that must suck. But I got to admit, getting a taxi cab is different now. Yeah, well, yeah. It's got, but imagine if you 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 put in all your work and you you spent the hundreds of the, I don't know yeah. how much it costs to get a taxi yeah, now yeah. with the permits yeah. and stuff, and then you got Uber. That's got to suck. Yeah. So I understand things change and it's not always pleasant, but it is reality. And so Lake Locks. And now people have to learn leg locks. Yeah. Not because of me, but because of people like me. Sure, yeah. sure. Well, I mean, the story that you just told really is you kept following what your, I guess you'd say your heart or yeah. your, your, your gut told you. Some people would say, what's up now? Where are you at today? Right now, I came off a successful but uh, difficult shoulder surgery. You know, my shoulder it happened in Russia. My shoulder just s snapped. 
against a very tough guy. It was I was in Moscow, and it was just an accumulation of damage on my right arm just over my career. Uh, Jean G. Hibero didn't help. He had my arm. <laughs> didn't make my arm better, you know. Uh, over my career, a lot of people attacked my right arm, and it's my bad arm. And in 2007, when I was in the UFC, my bicep snapped. So I had surgery. And since then, my arm's been real bad. So my shoulder snapped in Russia, and finally I got surgery on it. It was my, man, my labrum, my rotator cuff, my supraspinatus, my subscapularis. I, I think those are the names. My my upper bicep tendon snapped. So I had all these, like, five things done at one time, and my, my shoulder it was very serious, but I'm glad I got it done. So now I'm healing. I would hope to get back to comp- competing soon. I would hope so. It was better kissing. Well, we look forward to seeing that, my friend. Thank you, brother. Start luck on the move. Good to Definitely meet you, my friend. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. you. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs. So this is, I was, I was already, 2011, I won, I'll be again. It was, it was another good year. I faced Rodolfo Vieira and Joel Assis. So now I have my a fight against this guy. He's my friend now named Roddy Moore. Is that good? Yeah. Okay. Roddy Moore, it was in Belfast. I fought him at the King's Hall in Belfast. And I arrived and I, you know, you hear about the stuff about the IRA and the, the Protestants. And yeah. That's, that's true stuff that happens over there. And, and so they, uh, what, a mile from where I was staying, very close to the venue, I mean, the police found a car full of, I don't know, a thousand pounds of bombs, uh, a bomb, and they defused it. I mean, that, that's actually that's actually a problem over there right now. So, so that was I didn't see it, but I'm talking. I'm saying it was in my vicinity. It was in my vicinity. It was, it was whatever. It was it was not a thousand. Let's say it was yeah. it was a car bomb, and they defused it. And that was on the streets, and that was kind of like people talking about it. It didn't make international news. Well, to me, that was. You know, you think about that. Right. <laughs> I'm walking those streets, you know? So, yeah, that happened when I was there in 2012, I believe, yeah. Anything so, that's, like, that close, you just get, like, wait yeah, a minute, yeah. this is real. Yeah. I, I lived in Panama during the invasion. I, I, I'm used to that kind of stuff, but, but as an adult, I haven't seen that for a long time, you know? So it's just cool. Yeah, it's a rough rough area, but people there are great. A great time in North Ireland. Yeah, good people. Belfast, yeah.